You should be saving for the future, but savings accounts suck, and investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers 4-6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit StairsApp.com today. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the The green Green Peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And joining me today, I have my colleague, Ron Hedowski, who uh, has been running quality over at Plena with me over the past couple of years. And joining us, we have Cohen Esser with um, Control Union, which is the uh, preeminent company in the world that does certifications around GACP, GMP, EU GMP, and really looks at the quality end-to-end of operations in the medical cannabis space uh, to a level of detail uh, that no other firm really has matched to date. So welcome, welcome, Cohen. Thanks. Thanks for having me um, today on the show. Perfect. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about, um, you know, Control Union. You're based, you know, in Holland, but you're, uh, and some large part of the entity is also in Israel, and you've been doing certifications around the world. But tell us a bit about uh, the history of Control Union and your role there, please. Yeah, so we have um, 100 years of uh, existence this year. Just we're uh, awarded the predicate of uh, royal um, which is something the uh, monarch here in the Netherlands um, mm-hmm. grants to companies with a uh, exceptional clean track record. And uh, let's say, uh, so we are very proud of that. We we come we're we're an agricultural or a service based company that um, provides services to the commodity markets. That's that's mm-hmm. how I would say it. And we have major lines of business. One is commodity inspections. Uh, and the other major one on a global scale is certifications. So mm-hmm. our mission is really to be sort of the, the third independent party um, that uh, acts in different moments in the supply chain of international commodity trade supply chains. And there's always a different of interest. Sometimes you need an independent person who, um, uh, let's say, audits eh, mm-hmm. a farm in this case. But it can also be when you have a seller and a buyer that have a different interest and um, we actually are nominated by one of the parties to represent them at a certain operation, protecting uh, their interests. Uh, and that could be a supervision of a cargo loading in a port, for instance. 
Right. And I should, you know, should clarify for listeners, you know, the certifications don't just apply to medical cannabis. That's a small line of your business. It deals across all sorts of agricultural productions, pharmaceutical productions, general operations and businesses, much like an ISO rating does in uh, so many industries. Yes, that's very true. Actually, um, as you say, medical cannabis is, 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 is relatively small for us. Um, we are primarily active in, in uh, agricultural commodities, wide range, such as, for instance, sugarcane, uh, of course, or anything related to soy, to grains, um, um, bananas, other kinds of fruits. Uh, think about um, palm oil, but also textiles is very, very uh, sustainability oriented. And of course, um, all these lines, they have also... Uh, organic kind of labels that, uh, especially in the Northern American and the European markets are very common and and consumers are also uh, asking those kind of products to be certified organic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is the cannabis industry unique in that, at least the medical cannabis industry unique in that it's an agricultural product for a pharmaceutical market, or is it really it's the same, it's just different in its own way. It's, um, of course, there's other products that come from an agricultural crop ending up as a medicine. Um, uh, poppy seed could be, of course, uh, a very clear example of that. Mm-hmm. But um, let's say, I would say for us, uh, the challenge has been perhaps that we, we come from these typical agricultural crops and, and especially the use is very different. Yeah. If you certify uh, flowers, which are going to end up in a table, yeah, yep. they're not consumed. So the risk for the end consumer is far less from that perspective. If, if you talk about fruit, uh, already it's, it becomes more critical because, uh, uh, for instance, uh, a raspberry, uh, you know, that's cultivated. And of course, hygiene uh, upon harvesting is important because those kind of fruits, you don't you don't really, other than rinse them off with water, you don't really get a chance to, um, yeah, to process them or to cook them or to, you know, you don't peel them, uh, you eat them straight away. And, and that could uh, result in, in um, you know, uh, uh, diseases that consumers may get. And now, now we're getting into cultivation of, um, you know, medical m- medical cannabis, which is intended for a uh, medicinal purpose. And and of course, the risk of then something uh, uh, uneventful happening to a patient, uh, if if that's not controlled, that process of cultivation and 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 the steps after, that is of course that that in in medical in medicinal um, let's say terms is, is, is you can you you don't want that it's it's uh, it's not possible it's it's not uh, something we 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 can allow you know yes no it's critical it's people's health and it's uh, you know the duty of care of a producer to ensuring qual- not just quality but cleanliness and that all standards are properly observed throughout is. It's critical to consumer confidence, but also to the outcome of a treatment program. That's correct. Yep. So, you know, we were, um, you know, one of the things Ron and I were speaking about uh, previously, and, you know, for our listeners is, 
most haven't had the chance, especially the ones in the U.S. aren't as familiar with going through the GACP process. And the GACP process is good agricultural collection practices, but it really covers everything from the start of the plant's life through the harvest drying um, stage that exists. And then you end up going into GMP if you're doing extraction and manufacturing and of course EU GMP. But, you know, Ron and yourself worked quite closely this year um, over our GMP process. You as the uh, certifying authority and Ron uh, managing the, uh, the certification at our end where, you know, we had to we went through all of that and for you know people the listeners who aren't aware plena the uh, production facility we built down in colombia you know everything went in the ground started in really in january of 2019 and by this july we had the certification audit um ron as you took a look in building out the facility it's you know when and Cohen, this also i guess go to you not many firms in Colombia had gone through GACP uh, along the way into um, how, many, how many firms really have had to go through it around the world and successfully have done it outside of Canada where, you know, the country's got the longest standing history today um, of a national or federal program. Is that a question uh, to me, Richard? Yeah. Sorry, okay. Con. <laughs> um it's a, it's a tricky one to answer, and, and let me very quickly tell you why. GACP being a guideline mm-hmm. um, means that basically it's not controlled, not regulated um, what kind of company, what kind of uh, entity is to uh, basically, um, yeah, I would say, issue a certificate of compliance uh, Uh because a guideline technically cannot be certified. You comply with it or not. Uh And and because that is not arranged, it's also very hard and there's no database, for instance. Yes. Um, In in, in other words, um, I could answer that for us. And and here, uh, you know, the reason, and maybe this is a good moment to tell that the reason why uh, Control Union launched a standard, which is different than a guideline for m- primarily the following reasons. You know, a guideline, it doesn't have a clear checklist. It's a document mm-hmm. and that's it. So if you're going to be audited, you, you actually don't know really what you're going to be, what, you, what you're going to face. Mm-hmm. You don't know how many audits per year you have to undergo. Yes. Um, you don't know... Um, based on what a non-conformity could be raised. Is it a major one? Is it a minor one? How long do you have to close that non-conformity? What happens if you don't um, close that non-conformity, like a suspension protocol? All those kind of things are sort of open um, in a guideline. And um, that is exactly the reason why the initially the government of Israel has decided about five years ago to create the first true standard to certify uh, objectively um, by means of a standard uh, medical cannabis cultivation. And that resulted in Israel medical cannabis gap, good agricultural practices. Mm -hmm. 
and that is part of the license uh, regulatory framework in Israel. All cultivators have to have that standard. And as we were involved in developing that standard and we saw a need for other countries or the industry that was evolving to basically be able to also have such a standard, we then, using a blueprint, uh, as a blueprint, the, the IMC GAP example, we, we launched the Country Union Medical Cannabis GAP standard, which uh, allows um, cultivators around the world, but Israel, of course, um, to also objectively be audited against the standard. And because uh-huh. it was built on both the GACP version of the WHO, as well as the European Medicine Agency version, those are different versions. That is important if you, for instance, want to export to Europe and you don't comply with the EMA one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically cannot get well, in. Exactly. And I think that gets into some of the benefits for cultivators and licensed producers. I'd love to come back to that after we have to take a short break. Um, but we will be, we'll be right back in a moment with Cohen and also with Ron, because I want to walk through some of the process, pre-work process and certification from a company's perspective so that listeners who are involved in the industry have some insight into everything that goes into preparation for any of these certifications. So we'll be back in a moment. I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success, Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. Hi, everybody. We're back. So, you know, we're with Cohen Esser with Control Union. And Ron, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you to speak about here is the pre-audit certification process and some of the challenges you saw the company face, but also how did it relate to Control Union and what do they look for? Yeah, thanks, Richard. You know, we really looked at this and, and when I was hired, we, we set out to really develop a quality system, almost like a pharmaceutical company, because really that's my, my background. And so we used that approach. We we built policies, guidelines, and procedures, and put them into place. And I think that really facilitated um, the control union audit. And so um, when we started working with Cohen, we we had the checklist, which was critical to have. And then from there, uh, Cohen proceeded with the pre audit. And I think it'd, it'd be good to hear from Cohen kind of what other companies do and. And how does that process work from getting the checklist to the pre-audit to the audit? Thanks, Ron. Um, yeah, basically our, our, our standard, it's, it's, it's not a public document. So um, I think the first, uh, the first uh, interaction with a with, uh, few members of your team, Ron, was uh, them taking 
our course that we launched at the, uh, I think, mid-November uh, 2019 in, in Bogota. And, um, and from there, I think um, I saw a very uh, enthusiastic um, reaction of, of, of your quality team, which, which was a positive sign because they really felt that this was sort of the, the part that maybe was a little bit ambiguous. So they had a concrete thing to work on. And that helped um, you do internal audits, which resulted in, I think, a lot of improvement points that um, were not major, but, you know, really getting the details right. So you did that. And then we had a pre-audit. Um, and there we had a, basically we performed the gap analysis. And that uh, resulted in an additional number of things that had to be addressed uh, before you could present yourself to the initial audit, which was in July. And I think that uh, period between the gap analysis uh, and between, let's say, the initial audit, and, and especially this was, of course, when COVID also, COVID restrictions kicked in, I think it helped your team a lot to have a, a very clear timeline and a sort of a, you know, clear vision on what actions needed to be closed and because the discussion we had in the pre-audit it also gave quite a sense of why things were needed yeah you know i would say that for for our listeners that um if you treat this like an inspection like a regulatory inspection it'll really help you out because in the end you get a list of feedback from cohen and his team and of things that you need to correct and you can't let those things slide in, in timing because sometimes there's some points that you need to correct with like infrastructure and others might be procedural related. And you really need to build, a, as Colin mentioned, a timeline to close all of those gaps before you have the, the real inspection. I think having the pre-inspection was great for us because it really gave us our first sense of um, some of the gaps we might have had. But um, maybe you can take us through the, the inspection piece now that we've kind of come to this point. So you, you mean the final uh, initial audit? Yeah, the initial audit, yeah. correct. Yeah, so um, in, typically we, we, we always start with a, with a document review, which in the case uh, of the site in Bogota for you guys, we, we did in the pre-audit and that's, that's really reviewing all your documents, your processes, of course, your licenses, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's step one. And then it and really Cohen, is. Um, sorry, Cohen, if I can just interject there for the listener's sake, those documents cover off every step of the operation and how the plant gets handled. And some of it may seem trivial in terms of, let's say, even just how a plant is handled as it moves between containers or how you, what you do with the scissors between each cut and trim. But everything is detailed out. So th those do that document analysis isn't just high level. It's incredibly detailed in the preparation that yeah. goes into it. Yeah, and it's both sides. So uh, I was I was very happy with with Ron's team's collaboration, and it was very well managed. And I think also what I liked about the interaction there was it was a very receptive mindset on 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 the comments that we made in terms of they really wanted to. Um, um, to raise the bar, you know. So mm -hmm. I think that was that was a very um, positive thing about the cooperation in general. But the process isn't that indeed the Toro document revision. Um, 
then when when you present for the initial audit, basically it's two days. And what we do, we always start with an opening meeting. That's typically where, where the whole team on site is, is present. We outline the agenda. Uh, uh, there's an intro, etc. And typically we start with a, with a real site tour that is covering the entire process. And, you know, then you have uh, like an afternoon left where we're going to be um, detailing or zooming in uh, on, on things we saw in the document review or that we noticed during the site visit. Uh-huh. And those things can be like, okay, I want to see uh, records of a few um, uh, training uh, sessions that you guys did. I want to see an employee uh, that is allowed to uh, work with, um, you know, work on height. You need a permit for that, right? In, in uh-huh. Columbia, at least. Correct. Um, we want to see uh, batch records, but like we know how it works, but we want to zoom in. We want to see it. And we say, hey, we, we went there, but we didn't really understand it. So tomorrow we want to visit again, I don't know, certain part of the uh, of the site. And that's typically how it evolves. So um, we, we have a very clear picture on how the setup is document-wise. We match it with a, uh, a site tour, and then it's, it's really going to be up to what the auditor has noticed uh, previously in, in the document revision or during the site tour, and those elements are detailed in, we say, hey, if there's harvest, we want to see it. We may approach one of or a few of your team members to ask a few questions, all with the aim of seeing, and this is the most important, you have standard operating procedures that you wrote down. This is your way of working. Uh-huh. My job is to check whether you work according to what you wrote on paper. Uh-huh. Yeah? Because that's needed for uh, for GACP uh, and eventually EU GMP or GMP compliance. You know, Cohen, one of the things I, I think about too is um, it's not just a once and done audit, right? It's a way of living for the site. And going through the audit is just the first step because there are multiple steps after this, correct? You're absolutely right, Ron, and I'm very happy you mentioned this. And this is a little bit where, you know, our standard also, you know, I mentioned Richard, a guideline doesn't define the number of visits that you periodically need to receive. Uh-huh. Um, Israel, annually, the IMC gap standard, it's seven visits to one grower per annum. Yeah. Right. Coombs has four, which is already, compared to other agricultural standards, rather high. But for, for pharma, it is really normal. And indeed, the initial one is two days. Then right. we really thoroughly see what is in there and what's in the site. You meet after perhaps closing nonconformities. You meet uh, the standard. We certify you. In the same, in the same year, we're going to be coming back, and we're going to be coming back one time announced, two additional times unannounced. So that's going to be me calling Ron, perhaps like twenty-four or a little bit more hours in advance, say, hey, Ron, I'm going to be visiting your site. And I expect that I'm going to see the same level of compliance uh, and, 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 and let's say organization that um, we saw when we did the initial audit. So the bar is continuously at that high level. And this is what we do. And if you, if you fill one of those audits, it, 
it can have a, a, an impact on, on the validity of your, um, of your certificate. So it's really uh, more in the sense uh, that, that it's a continuous thing that we expect you to be all the time ready to receive us. By the way, this is also very normal as in, in normal pharma. I worked also three and a half years in antibiotics production. And like you said, Ron, um, you know, your background in pharma should confirm this. Your clients will be continuously knocking your door for audits. It's it's going to be the way of work. So actually, it's also for growers that are new to this industry. It's actually very good to have this sort of routine um, uh, with the certification body and, and get into the hang of it. Because mm-hmm. you know, yeah. 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 And, well, and that's very done. true. And sorry, Ron, it's very true. And I, you know, unfortunately, we have to take another break because this is fascinating. But we'll come back in a moment. And I really want to talk about that, the culture of quality and how that has to permeate an organization, but what it takes to get there. So we'll be back in a moment with uh, Cohen Esser from uh, Control Union. And I'm Richard Zwicky on the Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Climbing our way up, up, up to the Cannabis Summit of Success. Cannabis Radio is back with more of the Green Peak. And we're back on the Green Peak with Kuhn Esser from uh, Control Union. And Kuhn, just before the break, um, you know, we're going through some of the pre-audits and the audits. And, you know, I know our preparation was to build a quality system that was to a pharmaceutical standard. But it really is not just the SOPs and the documentation and making sure that people are following them. It's really a, a culture in the organization that needs to be instilled in everybody. That's a everybody is paying attention to a level of a duty of care and a level of quality and um, across the board, which observes the highest possible standards. And that's not trivial in a farming operation and not trivial, you know, putting that, instilling that type of discipline in around the world. And now, you know, Ron and myself are both in Canada and with uh, COVID, neither of us could be in Colombia to do this. And we had a phenomenal team down there led by uh, Lara Badaya, who uh, worked closely on this, but, you know, the culture that comes into place is something, do you see it being adopted by many companies or do you see companies struggle with that? Is it something companies, you know, when, and when they get to the audit, um, do many companies succeed on their first try like we did, or is that part of the difficulty for companies is, they haven't quite got that culture and all the supporting pieces in place and it takes more than one go. I think you touch upon the most challenging thing for uh, companies to 
to get it right. And that's that quality mindset culture. And, and we actually, when we started, um, it, it took a while before people started to realize that, you know, this was part of the industry, you know, certifications, guidelines. First, they were not thinking about it. Um, and we, we actually immediately saw a need to train companies. And, and why do we need to train them? Not because there are not capable people in their agro teams or whatever. No, it's really because they haven't made the switch from being an agro comp- company with a pharmaceutical component to being a pharma company with an agricultural component. This is, this is major in terms of how you operate. And I'm going to be very, um, let's say my, my interpretation is the following, which again, back to the flower and the raspberry and the, and, and the cannabis example, Colombia uh, to stick with Colombia, uh, as an example, has a very strong history of flower and, and, and fruit cultivation. So there's a lot of people with training and practical experience in that area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you take these people with that mindset into a pharma with agro mindset. Yeah. And that's where, that's where the, the cultural part comes in because people, they, they find it weird that everything is so controlled that you need to take so much care with your hygiene that you need to take records of, of many critical steps um it's it's really uh taking them uh time to 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 understand that and here this training for us was was very key uh or to 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 get let's say that mindset change that is that is needed so this is really where I've seen a lot of companies struggling and there have been companies that with phenomenal teams have made it on their own. We've seen uh, companies like your, your, like, like Plana, like yourselves that, that have opted for like a training and a pre-audit. Um, honestly, we have had a lot of companies also uh, on our training that simply are in, in an earlier phase of their project due to either licenses being recently granted or in the process of. So, of course, the, the timing is also uh, relevant. And as we all know, you know, the industry was 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 a few years ago was easy to attract funding. And, and that uh-huh. has been a challenge over the last, uh, you know, year. So yes. um, that has slowed down perhaps a few projects which were more early stage. Nevertheless, um, those executive teams that we have had on our trainings, they really were helped a lot by you know, understand why uh, certain things were needed. Because um, if, if you don't come from pharma, that mindset change is sometimes difficult to, to grasp. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think part of that mindset um, and the change is something I'd like to dive into further for our listeners' uh, perspective. This is actually going to be a two-part session. Um, next week's session is going to be a continuation of the discussion with Kuhn and uh, Ron. And we're going to have to unfortunately sign off for today because we are out of time. But I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak, and I look forward to uh, speaking with everybody uh, again next week and following on with this conversation. Thanks for listening, and I hope uh, to see you again next week.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab an ice-cold dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the dew.